We're going to be talking about the price of a godly mom today. Before we get into that, there's a couple of other special moms here today uh, that are extra proud of their kids today. One of them is Susan Kennedy. And that little bitty tiny girl named Brittany that used to run around here that was about that high, and then she finally grew up about that high, has now graduated college. And, uh, and Frances, she's sitting back there with her daughter, Clarissa's little sister, and she has just graduated college as well. Some kind of summa something, a lot, a lot of co- title after it. I'm not sure what that was, but it's like summer comes loudly or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it said, but, but it was special. I remember that. And it's sure good to see her and her boyfriend back there with us today. So I just want to say happy Mother's Day to all of you moms here this morning. And I want to encourage you to keep on doing what I think, without question, is probably the most important and the most influential job there is in this world. And that's being a mom. Uh, I first wrote then that's simply being a mom. And then I had to rib it out and change it because I remembered that really there's nothing simple about being a mom. It gets really complicated. Every stage, from when it starts to when they're out on their own, mom's job never seems to be quite finished and she's always in the middle of it. And it's never simple. You know, to dedicate yourself to being a godly mother, or grandmother for that matter. That's your calling in life, ladies. If you know Jesus as your Savior, your calling in life is to be a godly mom. Whatever else you may do, your influence as a mother, or as a grandmother, is probably going to matter more than any other. You have, uh, you have a position of influence that is, uh, well, I can't really say enough about it. What's a godly mom look like anyway? What's she do all day? How does she live? You know, the Bible tells us, and I think what is the single greatest example and description of this is found in the 31st chapter of Proverbs. Uh, that's where we've been studying uh, in our 945 Bible class for several weeks now. And it's starting in verse number 10. We're going to read this today. It says, Who can find a virtuous woman? We talked about what that means today. It's, virtue is goodness. Basically, it's talking about a good woman. They're not as common as you might think. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She bringeth food from afar. She rises also while it's yet night and gives me to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considers a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girds her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. 
She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. She stretches out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. I could say she's not afraid of the snow because she lives in Texas, but <laughs> this lady didn't live in Texas. She makes herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and sells it and delivers girdles to the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing and she shall rejoice in time to come. I hope you all are rejoicing this morning. She opens her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looks well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also and he prays with her. Today, toward the end of this, we're going to give some of our children an opportunity to rise up and talk about their moms. So if your mom is here today, you might be thinking ahead about what you might want to say, because I'm going to give you a chance to do that. But before we do, I want to share with you some of the things that you may not know about this virtuous woman we're reading about here in the Bible. This chapter starts out in verse 1, the words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. What, my son, and what, the son of my womb, what, the son of my vows? Give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, to, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to die or ready to perish, and wine to those that be of heavy hearts. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. Open thy mouth for the dumb in the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. These are the words of King Lemuel, as inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. King Lemuel is Solomon. That's who he is. Lemuel, the word means belonging to God. And this was apparently written by Solomon. Lemuel was no doubt a title by which King Solomon was known to those who were close to him. It's kind of like it's kind of like what his mom called him that other people didn't call him, that sort of thing. This was written by him. The first nine verses are Solomon reiterating some of the things that he learned from his mother as he was growing up. She warns him about women. He did not listen. It became his downfall. She warns him about the dangers of drinking. She says, it's for those who have no hope. It's not for us. It's for other people that don't have hope. She admonishes him to take up the cause for those who are in need. 
he begins verse 10 to talk about what he saw in his mother as he was growing up. Lemuel describes his mother and he calls her virtuous. Now you do understand who his mother was, do you not? Who was Solomon's mother? Solomon's mother was Bathsheba. This is the lady that used to be married to a man named Uriah, who's dead when this is written. This is the lady that used to bathe naked on the rooftop inside of the king's palace. This is a lady who was personally qualified to warn someone about the wrong kind of woman. This is Bathsheba. Why are you saying that? Because the Bible tells us these things. But now Bathsheba is not who she used to be. She's not anymore. She's a different woman now. Ladies, do, do you understand what that means? It means that you are not a prisoner of your past. It means that even though some of you may not have started out so virtuous, the Lord Jesus Christ can change all that. It means that those who view the world says of you, well, you ne she'll never amount to anything. Especially for God because you've been divorced. Or you've had less than a godly past reputation. Well, I want you to understand something. Those people that say that stuff... Some of them are preachers, by the way. They're just wrong. You see, sometimes those who work the hardest and accomplish the most are the ones who think they have the most to overcome. Now, all these attributes we read about Bathsheba are worthy and should be emulated by every woman, absolutely every woman. But I do want to remind you if you have placed your trust in Jesus Christ, the one that died in your place, the one that loved you like nobody else could ever love you, if you put your trust in him to save you from your sins, he has already overcome for you. Amen. You don't have to work your fingers to the bone to overcome because it's already been done. It's been done by the Lord himself. We heard last week that forgiveness is truly a marvelous thing. Is it not? Yes. Well, you talk about power. There's power in forgiveness. I want to read to you from Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Paul writes this. He says, what shall we say then to these things? I could go back and read all these things he's talking about that he said before he got to this. But for sake of time, I won't do that today. He said, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? That's a, that's a question. You got an answer? If God be for us, who can be against us? Can anybody stand against you? Sure they can. Can they stand against you and the Lord? I hope you like that as much as I do. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And then he says this, 
Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who has the right to accuse you of anything after what Jesus has done standing in your place, taking your sins upon him on Calvary and paying in full your debt? Who has the right to say anything about you? It is God that justifieth. There's a way to paraphrase that verse that talks to those that would accuse you, those that would belittle you. And the way the paraphrase goes is, and it's accurate by the way, is who do you think you are to lay some accusation against one that Jesus has saved? Who in the world do you think you are? What we read here in Proverbs 31 is what her son saw in her as he was with her every day growing up. Most of you kids have a pretty good recollection of seeing your mom just about every day. Maybe not dad. You know, it's not always the case that you see dad every day. But most of you have seen mom every day. Ladies, I want to ask you, what do your children see in you every day? Do they see you doing their dad good and not evil every day? Oh my, it's going to get sticky in here now, isn't it? Do they see you working hard and teaching them to work hard? Do they see you up early taking care of your household? Do they see you taking care of yourself physically? You've all heard the expression, if I'd known I was going to live this long, I took better care of myself. Well, you're going to live long enough, likely going to live long enough to, to say that someday. What about that law of kindness that's in her mouth that says, you know, we had a, big, a good discussion on that in Bible class when we were back in that verse. I think that's that thing that grandmothers and mothers teaches the kids you know the one that says, if you can't say something good, don't say anything at all. I think that's the law of kindness that she's being spoken of right here. Can I ask you a harder question? Do your children ever hear you gossiping about other people? Oh, that gossip thing, that makes it get quiet, doesn't it? It always does that. The title of the message was The Price of a Godly Woman, a Godly Mom. Verse 10 says, Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? Like I told my class several times, my, my mother's name was Ruby. I think of her every time I read this verse. That's the only time I know that word's in the Bible, it's talking about right here. Now, most often we think about this verse as describing the incredible value of a woman such as this woman right here. And truly her value is far above rubies, just like God says right there. But there's another aspect of this. Uh, ladies, uh, if you should aspire to become a godly mom, such as this woman was, there is also a price that you will very likely have to pay. You see, godliness, whether it's in a man or a woman, tends to put a target on your back. It does. 
And godliness can just about guarantee for you that Satan's going to come after you. He is. You somebody say, well, that lets me out, and I'm going to go be godly. Well, it's going to be worse if you aren't. But Satan's going to come after you. He's going to come for you, and he's going to try to do his dead-level best to destroy you. It's what he does. He's real. And he hates you and every good thing there is about you, especially Christ in you. And he is going to do everything he can to destroy you. It may come from your husband. It may come from the neighbors. It may come from people that you love and trust and respect. Satan will use someone to try to mess up your life. Today, I'm going to tell you a story. This is not a story from the Bible. There are stories like it in the Bible. But I'm going to tell you a story. It's a true story about something that happened right here in our church. About eight years ago, maybe nine, I think it was about eight years ago, two men in our church decided that they knew more about how Lighthouse should be led than I do. These two men set up a meeting with our elder board. Of course, that was after a lot of gossiping and other things that were done. And the, the purpose of that meeting was to try to convince our elders to recommend to the church that I be fired. We have a rule in this church and no motion on the hiring or firing of a pastor can come before the church without first being approved by the board of elders. Men who are wise and men who are smart enough to know when something's just or unjust. When these two men, I'm not going to get into any gossipy details, but it got really ugly. Accusation after accusation was leveled against me, all of which were unfounded and found to be so by our elders. And when these men could make no headway against me, they began to attack my wife. He said, I just can't believe any, any man that knows the Lord could do that. Well, I can't explain that, but they did. And it got really ugly at that point. Our elders knew better, and they did not receive those accusations. These two men left the church. They took a few with them. And then they went out without authority and started another so-called church, which has since failed and disappeared off the scenes, as those kind of so-called churches always do. Now I want to tell you about someone by name now. I'm not going to tell you who those people were. Some of you know already. It's not important anymore. But I am going to tell you about someone by name. Her name is not Bathsheba. Her name is Lisa. 
She is not only my wife, she is my personal secretary, and she is our church bookkeeper. She was accused of trying to run the church, trying to take over. I can't even begin to tell you all the things that she and I were accused of. But I want you to know something. She has never made a purchase or executed any decision except what I have delegated to her in all these 20 plus years. Not once. And that next verse that says the heart of her husband doeth safely trust in her. Well, the heart of her husband doth safely trust in her. She has done me good and not evil all these past 30 plus years. Understandably so, she was devastated that two supposed godly men that we both respected and trusted would viciously attack both me and her as they did. Frankly, that incident was enough to make almost anyone want to quit and walk away. It was. It's, it's hard to go through those things. Lisa is not only virtuous and beautiful, she is one of the strongest women you're ever going to meet. She is not only still here. For many of you, she has held your hand and counseled you through some of the toughest and most devastating times of your life. And you know who she is and you know who you are. Do I ever feel like quitting? (laughs) You have no idea. You have no idea. That incident is just one of many attacks that Satan has leveled against us in the last 20 years. But thanks in no small part to her strength, I am still here serving the Lord. I'm here. Some might wonder, did those men ever repent or did they ever apologize or have they ever asked forgiveness? The answer is no. Satan has never apologized for anything that he's tried to do to us. Why would we expect that he would? We know that Satan is going to come after the preacher's wives. That's almost a guaranteed given. Tabitha, he's coming for you. Susan, he's coming for you too. But it's not just the preacher's wives. It's any one of you ladies that aspire to become a virtuous woman and a godly example to your children and to your other brothers and sisters in Christ. If he can make godly moms give up, if he can, he can probably rule the world because the most powerful influence for godliness that exists in a family is going to be destroyed. And he'll use any resource to do it. He'll use the most unexpected resource. He'll use people that you have loved, that you have respected. There's nothing that he won't sink to a level to do to destroy you. 
I guess this isn't what you call a feel-good sermon, is it? But it's the truth. And I'm warning you. But he doesn't get to win if you stay in fellowship with the Lord and lean on his strength. This is the kind of thing the Bible's talking about when it says that I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. This is the kind of thing that verse is really talking about. And this is one of the reasons that we need each other so much. Stay the course, Mom. Stay the course. You don't ever give up. You don't ever back off. You stand. And you won't stand alone. So, verse 28 says, Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also. And he prays with her. Ladies, your husband, some of you, he's not going to do that. At least not right now. But uh, the Lord's not through with him yet, either. So what do your children have to say about you? Let's find out. Amen. All right, now, Lexi, would you come up here, please? And you can bring Caleb with you. Let me have another couple of guys. Jack, why don't you and Joey come on up here, too? I want to make sure every other lady in this church gets a rose. There we go. Just grab a handful and, and head down an aisle. If you see a lady that doesn't have a flower in her hand, give her one. I appreciate what Clarissa said about all of you ladies stepping up to be a mother figure to her. And we need people in our lives that we can lean on. We need each other. My mother is in heaven. People in heaven, unlike what a lot of people think, don't look down and see us. Because if they did, it wouldn't be heaven anymore. But my mom is there. She went to be with Jesus in 1979 on my birthday. That wasn't a really sad thing. It was kind of like a cool thing because what a birthday present for me to know that my mom got to see Jesus that day firsthand. I see him in word. I see what he's done. I see him in you. But she got to see him face to face. On my birthday in 1979. Sure is good to know your mom's going to heaven. <laughs>